And if you came in a little late, I'm uh, encouraging everybody to join us Wednesday night at 7. The topic will be how to keep your heart from being shaken. And it's a study in Isaiah 7 if you want to read ahead. Um, And also, uh, bring a salad. We'll have pizza and... uh, and I'm buying pizza for everybody that comes, so don't worry about money. We're, we'll be there. If you want to bring a salad, that'd be great. All right, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at Bristol Road location. Matthew chapter 5 is where we have been studying the last few weeks. <clears throat> what is called the Beatitudes... Uh, because the word blessed is used, and so there are eight of these Beatitudes. We're on the final one in verse uh, 10. Let's read in verse 10, 11, and 12 this morning. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted... For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For thus they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You'll notice that the first beatitude in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last beatitude in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They both have the same promise. Now this is what is called bookends. In other words, it it starts with something that's a statement in the beginning, and then you know where the paragraph ends by the same statement at the end. The same promise is given. This sets this section of Scripture off. In other words, the Beatitudes are a portion of Scripture that can be studied unto themselves. And they have the same promise of the kingdom. Now, we've gone through these in some detail. And by the way, you can get, I think most of these messages are online. You can go to our website or or, uh, Facebook, um, YouTube. I think you can get most of them. But Jesus has been describing in the first four Beatitudes, the experiences of a true citizen of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse 3. Theirs is the kingdom. That is, the humble. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They, they understand they are poor in spirit, so they grieve over their sin. The sorrowful. In verse 5, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. The teachable, meek, is the attitude toward authority and 
toward an outside guide. So teachable. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. They'll be filled. Uh, The faithful. These first four are set apart because they're all about the inward experiences. Humble. um, Teachable. uh, Sorrowful. And faithful. But then these next three, beginning in verse 7, going through verse 9, are the citizen of the kingdom as he's turned outward. He begins to look at, he has, he's merciful. He shows mercy to people. He sees hurting people. He's pure in heart, so he's able to to view God in the sense that he recognizes and acknowledges God in the things of life. The, The next three look outward. And then the final one on the The persecuted is when he looks forward because this promise is again the kingdom and in verse 12, his reward is in heaven. So he's looking inward and then outward and then forward to the time when the fullness of the kingdom has come and the blessing of God is without reservation. Um, he sees that the greatest happiness is not in this life, but it is in the next. And that is where he, the citizen of the kingdom, invests his treasures. So this last one then, the persecuted How does the world react to such a citizen as this? Humble, sorrowful, teachable, faithful, merciful. When you take a man like that or a woman like that and you set them down in the society in which we live, how will they react to that? And Jesus concludes with the last beatitude with it's the longest one. And he says you need to get ready not for a popularity contest but a reaction of the world against you. It may be like the professor at California State University. He was fired because he believed in the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2. It may be the student who was asked to write, along with the rest of the class, on the greatest hero. Who's your greatest hero? And they wrote a paper about Jesus. And the teacher returned it with an F because they said Jesus is not a hero. It may take the form of the gospel singer who said that homosexuality was not normal and was not permitted to fulfill a radio contract. Perhaps you're a student at school and you're ostracized or mocked. There may be many forms of persecution 
It's not just when the government arrests you for preaching the gospel. It's a lot of expressions. But I I want uh, to show you what Jesus gives to us here. He gives two reasons for persecution and three rewards in this passage, verses 10 to 12. First, let's look at the two reasons for persecution. Verse 10. Here's the first one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. They persecute, the world will persecute you for righteousness' sake. Jesus brought a standard of righteousness that was above and beyond the world in which he lived, even the religious world. He said in Matthew 5, same chapter, verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, this is more than outward show. He goes on in Matthew 5, verse 21 and 2 and says, you've heard it was said, thou shalt not murder But he says, if you have anger in your heart, unresolved, uncaused anger, he said, you've committed murder in your heart. Or verse 27, he said, it's not just about adultery, but if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. Verse 33 and 34, he said, it's not just legal oaths you should avoid. But oaths altogether. Just speak the truth. Every Christian should speak as if he's on the witness stand in front of the judge, telling the truth, nothing but the truth, and that's it. Jesus raised the standard of what is a true citizen of the kingdom. Verse 43, he said, It's not just loving your neighbor, but it's even loving your enemies. You know, I might get by with loving the neighbor, although I've got a couple of neighbors I'm not so sure about, but, but I might could make that, but loving your enemies. So the, the righteousness of which Jesus brought, when we really pursue this by the power of the Holy Spirit, this will not cause the world to just uh, celebrate us. By the way, This righteousness and this standard that Jesus brought was never meant to be apart from the Holy Spirit. The kingdom he brings is a kingdom uh, that he rules by his spirit. Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out demons by the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God has come to you. See, there's how the kingdom comes. There's the righteousness by the Holy Spirit. He never intended to bring a set of right rules by which we must strive in vain to reach, but rather to give us His Holy Spirit which would spontaneously and with a passion and a desire uh, to follow Him both inwardly and outwardly. It's a different kind of experience altogether from religion in general. An inner, genuine righteousness. It's a spiritual life, a miraculous life, a supernatural life is what he's called us to. That can only come from God. You, the, the, the life of the citizen of the kingdom 
is a life that can only be lived by the supernatural presence of God's Spirit. It, it, it is far cry from being able to say, just do this on your own. This comes from God. So the first thing he says, we're persecuted because of the righteous standard that Jesus brings. That's in verse 10. A second reason for persecution, verse in verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. The second reason for persecution is because of Jesus. His account. The, the very name of Jesus in 1 John 4, 4, John writes, You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, that is Christ, is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. That is, Satan is in the world. Satan is in the world. Christ is in the church. And the devil that is in the world hates the Christ who is in the church. So these two will conflict. They will persecute you because of me, Jesus said. You see this, for example... In John 13, when Jesus had dipped the morsel, he was having the Last Supper with his disciples, he gave it to Judas. And here's what it says, that after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him, and he went and betrayed him. Now, Judas had been with Jesus three years. He knew this man. He knew he was real. He, had, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He blessed the children. Judas knew this man. Why on earth would he betray him for a few pieces of silver? Satan entered into him. The only explanation for the hostility toward Jesus who is in the church and in our hearts by His Spirit. The only explanation is that it's supernatural. There is a hate out there for Jesus Christ. Let me, let me give you this illustration. Uh, since the pandemic, I've watched a lot more television than I'm comfortable with. Um, and I have been amazed at the number of times people uh, take the name of Jesus in vain. Are y'all, have y'all seen this? Uh, the name Jesus Christ is a, now a curse word. You know, they, they hit their thumb or something, Jesus Christ. And they don't, they're not calling on God to help them and heal them. They're, they're using it in a derogatory, dishonorable manner. And I thought, why would they use Jesus' name? Why not Muhammad? You hit your thumb, Muhammad. It's only got three syllables. Or Buddha. Bang. Muhammad, Buddha, and Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi. 
And I'll tell you, I have never heard any of those men's names used in the dishonor with which they take the name of Jesus Christ. I can't even tell you some of the things that are so vile and attached to the name of Jesus. That leads me to think there's something going on there. I think there's a supernatural uh, antagonism toward the person of Christ because the devil knows who Jesus is and the devil is in the world like he went into Judas and and just as Judas betrayed Jesus, so Satan is behind the dishonor and the irreverence and the blasphemy that is directed toward the name of Jesus. That's what I believe. And Jesus says here, you will be persecuted because of me. An example of this also is in John 8, verse 40. The Pharisees are arguing with Jesus and they say to him, we're the children of Abraham. And Jesus said in John eight forty, well, you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth. And I heard that from God. Abraham did not do that. He didn't try to kill people. But he said, John 8, 44, here's the truth. You are of your father, the devil. I'm sure that went over real well. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer and has nothing to do with the truth. See, what Jesus is saying to those Pharisees is, you don't know this. You think you're Abraham's children. You're really the father's children. And you want to carry out his desires. He hates me. And so that's what, that explains the hate you have toward me. It's supernatural. So Jesus said, look, you better get ready. They're not going to crown you as the great model citizen in this world. You're going to be persecuted, reviled, ridiculed. Because the Satan that's in the world hates the Christ that's in us. Now, three rewards of persecution. If you are a recipient of persecution. He, there are three things he said that uh, benefits that come your way. Verse 10, here's the first one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Here's the first one. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom. So the first reward is the blessing of the kingdom. The blessing of assurance that you're in. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said, I read it earlier, will be persecuted. So persecution is the sign, the signal, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm not talking about somebody that's rude or that buttonholes or corners people. Uh, I'm talking about a, a godly person living a humble life, taking a stand when necessary because of that, 
they will be ridiculed, rejected, mocked, and called, you're a homophobe, uh, you're a Bible thumper, you're, uh, and they'll reject you for some, for some reason such as that. But the first thing is that he says, look, you need to know you're blessed in the kingdom. That's, that's the reward. This idea of being blessed, it's interesting that God blesses the same ones that the world curses. Many times the world gives awards to those whom God judges. And they curse, the world curses, reviles, according to this verse, those whom God has blessed. So take that. Just say, praise God, I embrace that. If God blesses me, I don't care if the world curses me. This is what David said, Psalm 109, verse 27 and 8. He said, let them know that this is your hand, O God. Save me from them. Let them curse. Psalm 109, 28. But you bless. <laughs> I love that. Let them curse. What does that matter? If God blesses. Daniel was cursed by his critics and put in a lion's den in Daniel 6. But God blessed him by closing the lion's mouths and they couldn't eat him. He just used them for a pillow. What are they going to do? They can't open their mouth. Cursed by the world, blessed by God. And then he comes out the next morning and they promote him to over all the kingdom. Jeremiah was thrown in a cistern by the world, the king, in Jeremiah 38. But God sent a humble servant who threw a rope down and lifted him out and interceded on his behalf. Cursed by the world, blessed by God. Peter was put in prison and cursed by the king, Herod, to be executed the next day. But an angel came, unlocked the prison doors that night, and led him out blessed by God. So what do we care if they curse us as long as He, our Heavenly Father, blesses us? So the first thing is the blessing that comes with the kingdom, the blessing of God. Here's a second reward, a second benefit. In, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12, Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven you have laid up treasures in heaven for every single act of persecution leveled against you he said you ought to rejoice you just got an investment that's eternal a famous missionary and preacher in the 4th century named Chrysostom uh, ministered in Turkey, what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, and they, the magistrates told him to quit preaching Jesus Christ. Finally, they arrested him, brought him 
in front of the courts and they said, if you don't quit preaching Christ, we will banish you from our realm. And Chrysostom said, this is my father's world. Wherever you send me, he will be there. And if I'm with God and God's with me, that is my comfort. They said, all right then, we will confiscate your treasures. He laughed (laughs) and he said, my treasures are laid up in heaven where thieves cannot break through and steal. Angered, the magistrate said, well, then I will kill you. And Chrysostom said, oh, to depart and to be with Christ is far better. See, this is the kind of reaction. What do you do with a man like that? There is no weapon that can be formed against them. Rejoice and be glad when there's persecution. For righteousness sake or for the name of Jesus Christ. One third benefit that comes our way is also in verse 12. That last phrase. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. They persecuted the prophets In other words, you are among the elite of God's people. You ought to rejoice because you're in SEAL Team 6. You're the upper echelon. You're among the elite. So rejoice, and as the King James says, be exceeding glad because your reward is great in heaven And thus they persecuted the prophets. On April 18th of 1521, in the city of Worms, Germany, Martin Luther, who was a little uh, Roman Catholic monk, had discovered that the Bible taught were saved by faith, not rituals, pilgrimages, ceremonies and were saved through the blood of Christ and so he had been writing about this now for several years he was a teacher and so he had access to a Bible the Roman Catholic Church which was the only church at that time had made Bibles illegal you could actually be given the death penalty for owning a Bible because they said that you, you don't know enough to interpret it we will interpret it for you So Luther said, no, we're saved by faith and every man should have a Bible. So he began translating the Bible. And they subpoenaed him to Worms in April of 1521. When he got there, they brought him in. And all of his books and works and papers were all on a long table. And they said, do you recant everything that you have written about salvation by grace and faith? And he looked at his works to make sure they were all his. And he made this statement. He said, unless I am convinced by the proofs of Scripture, I cannot... I will not retract anything that I have written. For to go against conscience and the word of God 
is neither safe nor right. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. And they sentenced him to be burned at the stake. But some friends rescued him. And that speech launched the Reformation out of which all the denominations came. And all the churches except the Roman Catholic Church, all churches came, Nazarenes, Church of Christ, Baptists, uh, every denomination you can list, Presbyterians came. All out of that speech. And I didn't even mention the Lutherans. <laughs> and to some extent, we're all Lutherans. Because we all believe in distinction from the medieval Catholic Church that we're saved. Not because we go to Rome and climb the steps on our knees and get to the top and kiss the statue of St. Peter. That's what they believed. We believe you can come to God through Jesus Christ and be saved by grace through faith. They persecuted him. He said, I, I hardly live a day that I don't think I'm going to die. But he kept on living and he kept on writing and he kept on preaching. And you have the Reformation. You are in the company. When you are persecuted, you are in the company of the elite. Their forefathers. And that's the group that I want to be in. Amen. So whether you're in the schools, on the job... Even in churches, possibly in your home, to be reviled, mocked, persecuted. The benefits are worth it. God blesses you with the kingdom. There are rewards laid up in heaven, and you're in the company of God's prophets. Ushers, you come and let's pray together, and let's ask God to help us be faithful no matter the world's reaction to us. Bow with me as we pray. Holy Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the blessing. May we endure the world's curses for all our life long, as long as we have your blessing. We thank you for the possibility of laying up rewards in heaven increased joys there for decreased happiness here. Thank you for the possibility of being among God's best men and women. Make us faithful by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.